Investing doesn't have to be complicated. Talk to the experienced professionals at WI Investment Advisory Group. Visit them at 1535 Seabright Avenue in Santa Cruz. They are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives with and offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. WI Investment Advisory Group, investing for what's important. WIIAG.com. Hello, I'm Juana. I'm a sophomore at Aptos High School. I'm 15, almost 16, and I live in Watsonville. And something I value is support and patience, especially like right now, because I feel like that's what everything, like what everyone and every student needs. So my grades recent, well, no, the beginning of the distance learning, they were pretty good. But I felt like it was starting to go more faster in the learning and everything was just more rushed. I hadn't gotten um, C's and D's, but I this year I did receive a couple of D's and a C's. And I feel like that's because of how rushed the, I feel the classes have been. And if I do have questions, you know, I feel like I don't really have that much time to ask them either. So that's been a little difficult for me and um, doing and making up all my missing assignments also. So I have been doing that and my grades have been recently been going up, which is good. I just need to keep continuing to stay motivated because I feel like it's very difficult to stay motivated, especially in these difficult times for everyone. It's very difficult. You're home, you have to be pretty isolated wearing masks, you can't really talk to much people. What do you want decision makers to know? I would want them to know that, you know, although we're working nonstop and we're doing all this work, it's not just about us doing the work and the action of doing work. It also has a lot to do with our mental health and emotional health. It plays a huge part in this. All of this, it's very, very important. I feel that um, teachers do try their best. They do understand and they try to help us. It's just very difficult, but we are trying our best and trying to stay healthy, both physically and emotionally and taking care of ourselves. I'm Kara Myberg-Guzman. This is Santa Cruz Local. For a year, Thousands of Santa Cruz County students have been stuck in online classes due to the pandemic. We've heard from students, parents, grandparents about the strain distance learning has caused for families. Many youth in our county feel stressed and disconnected. Some feel hopeless. Elementary students have begun to return to a mix of in-person and online classes. This spring, many middle and high schoolers will see a similar schedule. For many families, that's a promising change. But the pandemic has exposed a deep need for mental health services among students. That need likely will not be solved by a partial return to classrooms. 
Today, we'll hear from a health and wellness program administrator about ways to approach these needs. This episode is the second in a series about distance learning and the state of public education in Santa Cruz County. We'll not only look at the problems, but also shine a light on what's working. First, let's hear from two more students. Juana and the students you're about to hear are part of Aptos Community Youth Program. It's a leadership group connected to the Episcopal Church of St. John the Baptist. That's in Aptos. I spoke with them in December. I asked them what's working in their schools and what's not. Hi, um, I'm Michelle and I go to Aptos High as well and I'm also a sophomore. I'm 15 and I live in Freedom. All my teachers are pretty flexible with getting like extra time for any assignments that you need. None of them are really strict about that because they all understand what we're going through. Like for me, like I have younger siblings and my little sister, they just tell her a certain time to come back. She's a first grader, so I'm not sure what age they're supposed to learn how to tell time. But it's kind of hard because both my parents go to work and me and my brother have to do Zooms, Zoom calls as well. So I have to like tell her sometimes and sometimes I forget. So that means she has she misses her class. And it's hard to focus with like siblings because they have a hard time concentrating and sometimes they just start fighting and it's chaotic sometimes for me. I am the oldest and um, my brother sometimes tries to help, but he forgets too because he's in his class focused. Yeah. But yeah, there's, yeah, it's kind of hard. But sometimes my mom works at home so she helps those days too. So yeah, my mom works for the county, um, for Santa Cruz County, uh, at a clinic, and my dad does construction. So they've been working all throughout COVID. Hi, uh, I'm Isaac Garcia. I'm also a sophomore at Aptos High School. I'm 15 and I live in Watsonville. I would say for me, um, one of the biggest challenges has been um, having a workspace. Right now, I'm in my uh, treehouse, which doubles as a shed um, so that I can have some peace and quiet because um, I, I have a family of six and we're all we're all um, all virtual and we're like all working at the same time um, so I know that has exposed a big issue for a lot of people um, like about grades um, I just like want to mention we're getting a lot of assignments um, and like the thing about distance learning is our classes are about 45 minutes long um, and we're getting the same amount of assignments, if not more, with like half the instruction from our teachers. So that is like a lot, a lot of stress put on us, um, especially because like our grades matter the same as they would on a re in a regular year. Um, and like we don't have the usual resources that we would have at school, um, but our grades matter the same and like everything's the same. It's just online. Um, so I feel like that's it, it create that creates a lot of disparities um, and like a lot of stress. Um, I fortunately have been able to maintain my grades during this time, but it like it's cost it's like it's costing me like um, I'm not able to do some of the things that my family's doing sometimes like watching movies or um, like fun stuff that I would normally do because I'm I'm behind a desk behind a computer working. But I would like to say that like um, our school hasn't really built in any significant rest time or like um, wellness time for us. It's kind of like 
here's a pile of work, go do it. Um, and like, you kind of have a whole day to do it. Um, but there's not necessarily any rest time that is involved. Um, or like, check-ins about how we're doing, um, how up to date we are on our assignments. It's just kind of like an, a nonstop just handing out of work. Um, and I feel like because this is such a different year, um, breaks like might might help, um, you know, just like once every two weeks, like we have a day where we just kind of we have a makeup day, you know, like where we can catch up because a lot, a lot, a lot of people are missing assignments right now just because of tech issues. Um, and then the train keeps on rolling and we we build up, build up assignments and we don't have that time to to like really fix anything. So some built in break time would be nice where like we can just catch up on our work. Let's hear from Lori Stradley. She works for the Alliance for a Healthier Generation. It's a national health promotion organization. They work with school districts, including the Pajaro Valley Unified School District. The Alliance is based in Portland, but Lori lives in North Carolina. She's the chief program officer. I told Lori about the stories I heard from Juana, Michelle, Isaac, and their classmates. I asked Lori if she knew of ways to address student stress, or as Isaac put it, the train that keeps on rolling. It's a really difficult place. And um, as a parent of two virtual learners right now, it's not just the high schoolers, it's coming all the way through at all ages. Um, and in those moments, I really try to think about I, I didn't have to navigate this space until grad school. Um, so listening to the students and um, recognizing what those work like loads look like and what the, the wide variety of learning styles um, is to recognize that all students are not gonna thrive in this space. And what we need to make sure they carry through with them is that does not make them a failure. It doesn't mean they are unsuccessful learners. It means that we're navigating one national crisis after another um, in the midst of a pandemic and to continue to help those students see themselves as whole people, not just students. Um, and so as they're struggling through, it's, a, it's just a really difficult place. Everybody has all of these layers and regulations and, and pieces that they need to accomplish. Um, and if at the core of it, we can all recognize, this sounds very corny, very really recognize each other's humanity, um, that we're all gonna get through this regardless of how many A's and B's and C's and D's we get. Um, I wish that I had a better solution than that to say we know how much schoolwork they should have or how we should change the curricula but it's just not as simple as that. And I, I think it's really showing that we have an opportunity in our education systems to, um, to borrow the phrase from some of the education organizations to build back better, um, to recognize that the pandemic didn't actually create all of these problems, but it has definitely exacerbated them and shown where a lot of the cracks are um, and how we're supporting our students in becoming um, successful people. And academics is a huge part of that. And in order to be academically successful, we need to tune in to the whole health of these students, to the whole health of the faculty, staff, teachers, administrators, support, um, school nurses, school counselors, 
all of those folks need to be healthy and whole and well too. And um, we were an already stressed system going into the pandemic. And until we start to make some adjustments, it's gonna be um, difficult uh, to really support students. And I wish I had a better answer for the, um, the academic workload, but I think the advice that I would give our students, our families and our educators is that our students come out with their, their self-esteem intact and their belief in self, their self-efficacy, their knowledge that they can do this and that these are difficult and, and uncertain and weird times um, and that their academic success right now does not define them. Um, but I can't do anything about the homework. Even as a parent, I can't do anything about the homework. <laughs> do you have any advice for our students who might be listening on how to make room for self-care during their busy lives right now? making room for self-care. It, it's um, funny. I've seen a lot of memes come up from parents and all that are saying things like, I, I have, I have always wished I could just be home for six months and I would get so caught up with things. And I think that it's important to recognize that while we're not physically leaving our houses in the ways that we used to, none of the stuff has gone away. We're not sitting home alone doing nothing. So recognizing that you have all of these um, opportunities, sometimes responsibilities, um, to try and find the nuggets of the must-dos and balance them with the spaces of the nice-to-haves, if that makes any sense. Um, and so that you can really uh, make the most of the academic opportunities, the social opportunities that you have, and recognize that um, some days it just isn't all gonna get done. Um, and that's okay, um, that you have to breathe, you have to move your body in whatever ways are safe and comfortable, you have to drink water <laughs> and, um, and try to avoid some of the, the things that are preventing you from feeling well. Uh, getting a good night's sleep, reducing your screen time as you approach bedtime, um, staying connected with the services that are around you. Um, our schools continue to be incredible resources for those social health needs around housing, transportation, and food access. Um, so more people than ever need support in those places and not to be ashamed to ask for it because I think that's a huge stress on some of our students right now is their housing instability, their knowledge of where their next meal is coming from. There is no shame in asking for help. We all need help right now. Your help might be a little different than your classmates, but whatever it is, there's, there's no judgment. Just get the help you need. About 15 schools in the Pajaro Valley Unified School District work with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation. In Pajaro Valley schools, the Alliance for a Healthier Generation mainly works on nutrition support. They hold workshops and trainings with the district's nutrition staff. They also work to strengthen the social and emotional health of school staff. Recently, Alliance worked with the school district to start a district wellness committee. The committee has identified staff wellness and student anxiety as top priorities. I asked Lori about what approaches to address student mental health are working right now. She told me, it all starts with the adults. You know, as the COVID pandemic started to take over our days and, and how we think about everything now through the lens of COVID, um, those social emotional skill development and the adults that support and surround children became paramount uh, 
for our audiences and for what we were developing and putting out there. Uh, and that took the form of a lot of social, emotional health for our staff. Uh, because we know you can't support the social and physical well-being of your students and families until you are able to find that space in yourself. I think the um, phrase that I use way too much is that you can't fill a cup from an empty cup. So we've really centered um, well-being for the, the teachers, the drivers, the, the parents who are now the co-teaching with their educators uh, to really think about what, um, what well-being looks like. And a big piece of that is um, talking about it. Uh, I heard someone say recently that this is, this is the time of truth telling, because if we continue to sort of ignore our social emotional health and, and not wanna talk about our stressors or maybe be perceived as complaining, that means that we're just not dealing with it. And so the ability to say, you know, even as we were starting to introduce ourselves today, that how are you doing is a bit of a loaded question because sort of outside of this space, we, it's a throwaway question. You say, how are you doing? And the other person says, I'm fine. And then you keep rolling. But if we really want to know, and we really, really want to ask people, how are you doing? And then sit in the discomfort with them. It's going to crack open all of these other opportunities to care for each other and make sure that we're getting what we need to be well and care for other people. So I say all that sort of broadly, but those are the kinds of opportunities that we're creating. Um, we've had webinars and live trainings, we have flyers and content. Um, all of those things are available for teachers, parents, administrators um, to really do some self-care before they look more broadly at how they can be supporting students and families. What's working right now? Um, mm -hmm. What have you found most success in sort of spreading the gospel of self-care? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, the, the main feedback that I hear from our program managers is creating the space. Uh, all of these adults that are managing their own stressors, their personal stress, and then carrying the weight of young people or peers or families that are also navigating this um, is that they need to talk about it. They need to feel comfortable and feel like at work is a safe place to say, this piece of my life is really heavy right now and I'm struggling. And creating that space opens up to the skill building opportunities, which is having difficult conversations, um, becoming, um, creating that space for relationship building front and center. Uh, we know from the research that academic learning doesn't happen in a place of high stress and when our stress responses are up and running. So until uh, we have the skills to address that, to talk about it, um, to name things, to be able to talk about um, one of the reasons that that we're navigating um, racial justice in this time, for example, is that these specific events are happening. Um, you know, the George Floyd murder earlier in the summer, uh, we need to be able to say those things out loud when we're talking with our students because there are students who it is very present and central and real for. There are some students who understand it abstractly um, and are trying to navigate their emotions. And there are some students who are really disconnected from it. Um, so building those skills to be able to have difficult conversations, um, to be able to open space for students to process and think through current events. Um, those are some of the ways that are a bit like the release valve on a pressure cooker that gives a little bit of space to let the stress go and to have a shared experience. Um, we know that talking about it um, lightens the load. 
So let's assume that parents do find the space for the difficult conversations. Can you give us a window into what that might look like and like tips on having difficult conversations about the big stressors in children's lives? So early on in the pandemic, we partnered with Kaiser Permanente and other national school health leaders to develop what we call the um, back to school playbook. And we recognize that back to school doesn't necessarily mean physically in four walls, um, but it, um, it thinks about all the components of child well-being. And embedded in that, there's physical health, there's mental health, there's social health. So not to be confused with social emotional, but those things that are wrapped around housing and transportation and access to food um, to help districts think through what that could mean and how they can be prepared for when students are coming back and what they might need to be able to do that. Um, and so in that, part of what we've talked about is developing your skills and knowledge around current events like racial injustice, how that shows up in the school day. Um, there are some great resources from Teaching Tolerance, for example, that are really targeted at educators about how to have open conversations about things like, um, police violence and um, social health disparities and housing and access to food and, and those sorts of things. So, um, so being grounded in the details of the issues of the day is one of the ways that you can prepare to have difficult conversations. And that does mean that regardless of your own personal background, you need to sort of dig into really uncomfortable spaces um, and get okay with that, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and some of the other um, spaces that we identify there is that it's really helpful for schools and districts to have a, a body of leaders or, or change, change leaders that are working through these issues so that there is a school leadership council or wellness council that is, um, has the accountability to these areas so that they can help support staff and families. Um, one of the ways that we talk about this is not just the individual skill building, but what are the policies and practices um, that support our employees in taking good care of themselves? So do they have the planning time that they need in between classes um, so that they can feel whole and well so that when a student um, is very upset or has a difficult moment that they have the capacity and the resilience to then be there in the moment with that student? Um, so it's not just the skill itself, but the environment that allows them to be ready and resilient. Um, is there a safe place in schools where teachers can go to decompress um, when they've had a heavy class period so that they know the next time it comes around that they'll have the space to um, revive and refresh after a difficult conversation? I know it's a lot easier to go into a conversation when you know you'll have the space to process it yourself afterwards. Um, but when they're layered one after another, they become more and more difficult because you don't have the, the opportunity to take care of yourself in between. Is there anything else you'd want people to know about managing stress and what's working right now during COVID times? I would say that the thing that I would, uh, that I know is really difficult right now is getting connected to um, more specific resources. If you are past the space of feeling stressed or down and you're moving into you know, real depression and anxiety and other um, true mental health issues, it's no different than a broken arm or a head injury. We seek help for those things. And so that's another place that your schools can often help you or your primary care doc or the local health clinic that can help you get to that deeper level of support you need. So that's the only other piece that I wanna make sure 
we think about is that um, there's the interpersonal ability to talk about stress, but we're still all these years into it trying to break down the stigma of accessing mental health support. Um, and there's no time like the present. And the, I will just keep reiterating that there's, there's really no difference between um, your brain having some chemical trouble and um, breaking your arm. They both need support from professionals. And there's, um, there's no reason you would say, oh, I can't believe I broke my arm and I'm not going to see a doctor. Um, same goes with depression, anxiety, and other issues that might be surfacing right now. Are you in need of mental health services? We'll post some local resources in the show notes. You can also call or text 211 to get connected to a provider. You can also call Pajaro Valley Prevention and Student Assistance, even if you're not a student of Pajaro Valley Unified School District. Their number is 831-728-6445. Anyone who is contemplating suicide or has lost someone to suicide can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255. Stay tuned for the rest of the series on distance learning and the state of public education in Santa Cruz County. We'll hear from others who are trying to address student mental health during the pandemic. We'll hear about approaches that have shown promise, how they work, and where they fall short. Thank you to our Santa Cruz local members. Our members allow our work to be free for all. Thank you especially to our highest level members, Elizabeth and David Doolin, Fran Goodwin, Deborah Seche, Chris Necklison, Patrick Riley, Elena Cohen and Steve Ritz, and Emily Brodsky. Become a member and support local news at santacruzlocal.org slash membership. And if you're not on our email newsletter yet, it's time to join. That's where you can learn more about what's happening in local government and how to make your voice heard. We're in your inbox two to three times a week, sign-up link is in our show notes. Thanks to Trimpot for the music. I'm Kara Myberg-Guzman. Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local.